Welcome back to Life After High School, everybody. My name is Glenn Younger-Gorse, and each week I look to bring you an impactful guest, message, story, and lesson to help you reach your wildest goals. Thank you for hanging out with me today, and let the show begin. It's the Life After High School podcast. Oh, I'll make sure. Right on. So, Rod, welcome to the show, man. I'm really uh, stoked you're willing to share your wisdom today, chat with me, share your story, and uh, yeah, I'm really excited. So thank you very much for being here. It's great to be here, Glenn. Yeah. Awesome. Awesome. So just so kind of everybody can get aware or their heads wrapped around your story, take okay. us through your timeline from kind of post-secondary era, wow. like that okay. time frame. Sure. Yeah. Sending okay. it back, I'm sure. To, okay. Okay. We can kind of go full circle. That's how okay. I like to do it. Well, okay. Well, okay. Well, real backwards then. Okay. So, yeah. um, I went to York University and I did a, uh, a major in theater, got a Bachelor of Fine Arts in theater and did a minor in creative writing. And when I graduated from York, so I stayed in Toronto mm-hmm. and knew at that, at that time I wanted to be uh, an actor. So I you know, did a lot of odd jobs to uh, pay the bills and I was living right down on the annex on a, on a, on a street called Palmerston Boulevard, which... Uh, it was kind of my Hemingway's movable feast that time period, right? And when it was alive, it was vibrant. None of us had any money. It didn't matter, yeah. right? We had this rule that, uh, uh, we, you know, you wouldn't eat for four days, but on a Friday night, you'd go out and have a good meal, right? So you, could, so you, you could live, right? And then whoever got a gig that week, they'd pay for Friday night. So it was, Perfect. you know, it was, a good, it was great. It was like a really, really good way to do it. So, so I was enjoying my life uh, and the struggles and all. And... Um, you know, I worked in a bookstore, uh, children's bookstore. I became an agent for a couple of years to, and I learned the business side of things while I, I, uh, I acted. And then I, um, I started switching more in the directing mm-hmm. and, um, and, and, and started doing some shows. I wasn't even paid yet because, you know, when I was like 23, 24 years old, yeah. you have no cred yet. So you, you take on big uh-huh. projects for the experience. So I did that for a few years. And while I was at York, I'd met a guy who became my mentor, a man named Neil Freeman, and he was just starting doing work, going back and looking at the original manuscripts of William Shakespeare, the first folio. Mm-hmm. And uh, he was really passionate. And he got me really excited. So I got this buzz on very early on to uh, tackle these original scripts and try to see how I could bring the life in the present. So the point of that is uh, when, I was in, when I was in my later 20s. Uh, a new uh, Stratford Festival was changing reigns of artistic directors. So I sent out this package mm-hmm. of um, my ideas about some of the Shakespearean plays and what I've been doing. And I sent this package to the new artistic director at that time, David William, got an interview, met with him. And long and short, I got hired on as an assistant director at the festival. Oh, sick. And, at that, and at that time, I was the youngest AD they'd hired. So I did a year there. Then the following year, they had me back and they had me be assistant director for their young company where I would work with young actors my age. Mm-hmm. and helped them with tech so that was great and then when i finished that that opened up a lot of teaching opportunities i was teaching at windsor oh, i bet went to george brown theater school a bunch of a, a bunch of theater schools teaching acting shakespeare scene study a lot of things and meanwhile i was doing a lot of freelance directing all over mm-hmm. the place right i was i was always on the road and uh, being hired here and there here and there here and there and um and had some had some success and i did i did a, went down to the states and did some work and, and then later, in my later 30s, I ended up coming up on a guest contract to North Bay, Ontario, up to North Bay. Oh, sweet. And, and I've been in North Bay 24 years now, but it was entirely an accident. I never planned to be here. I did a show uh, in the fall of 98, and it, it, was, it, it went really, really well. 
And there was a lot of talk by some of the actors in that show saying, you know, they've been this desire to have professional theater in North Bay and never had happened. And, and I was looking for a change. Well, you know, just the, the price of parking in Toronto was <laughs> little things like that. And I was, and that's up yeah. for a change, right? I've no, for sure. Road. I, I had an adventuring spirit, spirit, and I wasn't tied down to anything. So I, um, I thought, okay, well, I'll give it a, I'll, I'll see if we can maybe set the seeds and get a theater company going. So nice. I began working on the idea, right? And through, through that, a businessman named Clyde Armstrong came on board and it was his dream too. So he began taking me around to meeting some business people uh, with this idea. And, yeah. um, and suddenly we had money for a line of credit, about $250,000. And, you know, Amazing. That, that never happens. We have great no. ideas, but there's never any money. And they always right, fall yeah. So I never thought this was going to happen. I said, I'll be back in Toronto doing my thing in, a, in months. But suddenly <laughs> he had this commitment. I thought, wow, this is going to happen. So I made the decision, and uh, I, uh, I I I packed up my stuff in Toronto. A buddy put all my stuff in the back of his pickup truck, and nice. I moved to North Bay, North Bay, North Bay, and I uh, I couch surfed for a year till I found an apartment, and I started working on this new theater company. And then serendipitously, the opportunity opened up to teach a, a part time course at the university, and mm-hmm. so that helped. So then I could I was able to pay the bills. And I did that for uh, six years. And then uh, in 2004, uh, I was concerned that there was no actor training, proper training north of Toronto. Nothing serving northern Ontario at all. Yeah, no. no nothing, right? So I went to the then president, Barbara Taylor of Canada College, and I presented this idea like, you know, I think we should create a, a conservative acting studying program here in North Bay. Mm-hmm. So she gave me the green light to research it. And so I studied, you know, comparative programs at George Brown and Humber and the like, and yeah. came back with my ideas. And then she said, okay, well now develop a curriculum. A question so, for you though. Sorry. Yeah. To, I was wanting to yeah, 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 quick. Yeah. Um, what was uh, the demand? Like was how much of a demand was it? Was there for it? Like our, well, cause we often, since we don't know, or yeah, if we well, don't know, we might think there isn't any, but what was the demand like? It sounds like there was quite a demand. To my mind, there was, because I was seeing some talent in North Bay nice. and, and I know they were going off to different school, Ryerson, York, other schools, but they'd also said if there was a good program in this region, mm-hmm. they'd go to it. And I was also adjudicating theater festivals throughout the North up in Timmins and Sault Ste. Marie and all around. Oh, okay. And occasionally it would come up in conversation, right? Huh. that they wish there was training up here so that that sort of was the uh the bug that, that got me going with it okay interesting so i i put a, the curriculum together and and then canada submitted it to the ministry and, I, and i'm doing sort of the cole's notes versions of this all this no and anyhow long and the short was by december of 04 the program was approved we opened our doors in the fall of 05 for our first class yeah and now here it is 18 late years later and the program's still going amazing uh, so I did that, and uh, in 2009, I was the winner of TBO's Big Idea Best Lecturer Competition for the province of Ontario. So that was a pretty big deal in my career. Yeah, right? no kidding. Uh, in terms of uh, of teaching, and then uh, through the over over this time, I'd written some plays, and I'd, I'd mm-hmm. written plays uh, through my 30s, and it was um, 2011. Uh, and, and I, I had this idea and I've always wanted, you know, wanted to write a book and we'll probably get into that a little later, but when mm-hmm. I was a kid and I used to write and, uh, anyhow, point being, I thought I really want to do this and I've been waiting in on this. So I, I started working on a manuscript 
and I submitted it to the Humber School for Writers back in 2012. It got accepted, and then I worked with a mentor on it, and eventually created my first novel, A Matter of Will. Mm-hmm. Tried to sell it for two years, and you know it was like crickets, right? Nothing, right? Which yeah. is a common story with writers in their first book. Uh, but at the same time, there was a new publishing house opening in Sudbury, Latitude 46 Publishing. Mm-hmm. And so I sent it to them, and they jumped on it. And Amazing. They published it. It came out in the fall of 17. And then my second book, Kin Mount, came out in the fall of 20. And it, it's done quite well. Won some awards. Amazing. And then my latest, Grin Reaping, which came out this past June, uh, is now about my, my, my latest short story collection. So now, over the past six, seven years, I've been slowly transitioning into full-time writing, which is where I'm sort of landing now. So that, is, in a nutshell... You know, it's kind of my my resume in short. Amazing. I love it. Now, for people who don't know, because I th- always think I do know because I've heard the word be been thrown yeah. around a lot, but yeah. manuscript for people who manuscript. may not know. Sure. Yeah. Manuscript. Can you it? Man- yeah, sure. Manuscript is just your actual like document that you've created on your laptop, right? That yeah. is that eventually will be the published novel or short story collection, right? So it's mm-hmm. that's it's the doc, it's the word document. <laughs> that you've created oh no kidding so it's like the yeah. it's like the raw uncut unedited yeah. well it didn't know it is know. no uh, well by the time you send it into an editor at a publishing uh, house you've edited it a right lot. you want it to be good i'm sure yeah writing yeah. is rewriting it's all about revision the first writing draft is, is usually garbage yeah, yeah you, you end up tossing about 60 percent of it right yeah. So the first draft is just getting it down. And then the real refinement work comes in your subsequent writing. Yeah. You class. pick yeah. and choose what goes everywhere. Yeah. I, yeah. Yeah. I, I have a storytelling question I'm curious about. And I was yeah. inspired listening to you guys. I wanted to ask the panel. I yeah. just, I also, I just, I really want to ask you specifically this question. Okay. Um, sure. So because I'm into, I'm into like filmmaking as a hobby and like storytelling, whether it be with the podcast or whether it be like yeah. documenting myself going on certain different trips and adventures um, there, when it comes to filming and movies, Hollywood, Hollywood has a three act structure that they have in place, right? The beginning, the middle and the end. Right. And like how the arc of the story transitions based on where they where it falls in the act. And if you, I found it ruined a lot of movies when I did more research on this type of storytelling. But I was wondering if whenever it comes to writing novels or writing anything, whether it be theater or stuff like that, does everything kind of fall into a three act structure? Like obviously a beginning, middle and end. But does everything fall into that or are there are kind of ways in writing that you wow. don't or that go differently? I, Here's. it's a good question. Okay. So with that structure you're describing, mm-hmm. that is a traditional straightforward narrative, right? Yeah. Linear narrative mm-hmm. working that way. So yes, I would say that is a, a, is a common structure. I think I tend to work more on what I call a five act structure when I work. My Interesting. Right? More of a five act. Yeah. Um, that, that's sort of where I go. But that being said, there is work that I've read and this so because it's it's that with different creative writers like where for example Gary Barman who was on my pan, that panel yeah Gary Barman is just like he's working up up there on a, on a tightrope without a net and he's all over the place and he's juggling ideas so he, he oh treats, yeah he treats structure like silly putty and it's mm-hmm. all over right so I yeah. think it's um as long as uh, and I think as long as there's a logic 
right? Like let's let's say you're you're oh, writing okay. a narrative and 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 you're and you're setting it whatever past, yeah. present, future, or you're playing around with time, or wh whatever that is. As long as you've created a logic for the world that you're 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 you're, you're exploring, mm -hmm. and you hold true to that logic, the reader will go on the journey with you. Right. Right. The reader will go on the journey. I believe uh... that. Um, at the same time, what, what's common, no matter what structure you're working in, is your work has to be clear. Uh, it's got to be uh, polished, right? Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. So. Interesting. I've always, yeah, I'm curious when it comes to that, because can you define your, like, how do you, how have you refined that five, like the five okay, act structure sure. you've used? Okay. Yeah, I'm curious. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So if I look at my well, for your style, yeah. Yeah. So I look at my my um my 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 latest let's say my last novel came out, right? Perfect. So we start this and we lay in the groundwork and right away, there's an inciting incident that sets the plot going forward, right? Mm -hmm. Suddenly we are, we've met the central character, but right out of the gate, there needs to be some kind of incident that happens that throws him into a situation or that character into a situation. Where they've got obstacles coming at them, and they've got to go on a journey of some kind. Interesting. Right? Is that kind of your exactly. hook almost? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. It's gonna because you gotta get the reader in right away. Like, oh, for sure. Film. You gotta get him in right away, right? Right. So, so that ha that happens, right? Interesting. And then while that's happening, you're also having a certain amount of exposition, which is all the setup, mm -hmm. right, going on. Where you're meeting, in my case, other characters. You're laying in background, yeah. but you're doing it in such a way that it's still moving forward. Um, right. The reader may not consciously know that it's moving forward, but it has to always be moving forward, like because you're pulling the reader along, right? Mm -hmm. Okay, to get them on board. Yeah. So that's sort of working. With. And then I'll have uh, the next the, will be the, the next major obstacle that will happen to this character, right? We've had the early exposition with an inciting incident happening. It's building, and then we get the big obstacle number one: bang which then throws the character into jeopardy. Mm -hmm. And then we watch the character navigate that. Right. Right. And what has to, yeah. what happens. Right. Okay. Then as that builds in my writing, then there's an even bigger obstacle that's going to come and knock this character. And through the course uh, of it, the character and my, you know, you always ask the question, does the character change on their journey? Like when, is it like say a Christmas Carol? Yes. Yeah, yeah. At the beginning is this, at the end he's the polar opposite. For sure. Is, yeah. Is it about that? Or is it, you know, the character main character stays the same, but it's what happens to them. Right. Oh, so, interesting. Right? That depends on the, on the, on the story you're telling. So then sure. I'll get, so I'll get to a place then where then I've got that they're, they're, they're fighting that next round of obstacles. Right. Which will then lead into the climax of, of, of the story, right? Which is the ultimate obstacles coming and how that resolves itself, call it conflict resolved. Mm -hmm. And then you have to sort of, you know, denouement or the wind down afterwards, yeah. right? Which just, Interesting. you know, and that, and that can vary depending on the book. Uh, mm -hmm. One thing I, I've, I've discovered uh, in my writing is that the denouement shouldn't be long, right? Because once you've, you've hit that cl the climax of the book and the, that's the the conflicts resolved in some mm -hmm. way. Don't let that denouement drag on for like six more chapters, right? It's just, right. It's just there to sort of. I I I realize now it's kind of like it's just there. 
it's just there to bring the leaf kind of back down to the ground. Uh, okay. That's a good way to put it. Interesting. You know? You know? Yeah. Yeah, for sure. That's cool though. I like that. Now, interesting, man. I'm going to, I'm going to sit on that for sure. But, um, what I'm curious about too, um, I'm sure you've read like when okay when was a uh, better question when was the first novel you read like you read oh uh, when what, I was a, what time sure period? sure 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 when yeah, I was when I was when I was a kid so I, I'm thinking about like grade five six somewhere in there <laughs> I read oh. the C.S. Lewis books the Narnia books oh yeah okay right so that would have been introduced to me I read books by <laughs> a writer named Jim Kilgard who wrote adventure books like, you know, uh, Jack London, White Fang. That was exposed mm -hmm. to me when I was in, a kid. Um, moving into high school is when I read Lord of the Rings. Okay. And then I was exposed in high school to suddenly read like American literature. Like, you know, I read The Great Gatsby. Yeah. Uh, I read Wuthering Heights, um, books that we had to read for high school, uh, which I enjoyed. But then it's also in high school is where I uh, I discovered the work of J.D. Salinger, oh, sweet. which really, really spoke to me. So that was the first I would say that's the first author that I encountered that Salinger. that spoke to me. Mm -hmm. And I related to the characters and I really got completely absorbed in that world. Amazing. Yeah, that's cool. Um, now, with that, though, I, I'm curious, have you what have you noticed and how has novels and literature changed over the course of the last like let's say 15 20 years ever wow. since the introduction of kind of the internet now that and then i want to double down on a question about that but sure. i'm curious well, we'll start there sure well if you've thing, noticed anything yeah sure well first off language is always in flux right language is right. always evolving it's 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 not it's like a river and as we moved into the inner land of the internet in that world, right, there's short form texting, there's short form. So there are, that's informing writing, right? I don't know if it's informing atten attention spans, but I do think um, there'll be some publishers that say that books are slightly shorter now because of attention spans, that that could be one person's argument. Could also be that they're shorter because printing costs are so expensive now, they got to they gotta print less paper. So, you know, it's, it's a variety <laughs> of things. But, uh, Amazing. And, and, but I would say the biggest changes that are going on, and this is in the last, you know, mm -hmm. four or five years, um, with uh, the Me Too movement, Black Lives Matter, Indigenous Lives Matter, and LGBTQ and everything. Yeah, so everything. You're seeing everything, right? So right now, there are more Indigenous writers, Canadian Indigenous writers, more Canadian Black writers, more, more Canadian writers of all diversities and ethnicities mm -hmm. and, and gender and 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 choices and there they are right now i would say the, the dominant <laughs> books in the market right now because that's mm -hmm. that's that's the movement we're going forth where we're we're giving we're giving we're, we're finally giving a platform for those voices right it's like trending finally, almost yeah yeah I, yeah and and those i guess are, so, no no trending could be a word i would say it's it's a uh it's an There's, area where it's been long, yeah. it's been it's been it's it's about it's it's about time it's it's happening right where these where yeah. everything's opening up right now right and so and, and and like anything right as pendulums shift and they move and they eventually mm -hmm. always settle back in the middle yeah. so eventually you know um, everything will rest and I'm hoping that there'll be a, there'll be a quality between 
all authors and we and that's what we're moving towards right so everything's out amazing there. yeah and and that's just like it's like a, a smorgasbord for readers to pick i can pick this i can pick that's that. cool look at this, look at this. and there's and there's room for everyone right and and mm-hmm. i and it's the same thing but it's like it could be with music or films i don't like that additives as well they're now stepping on my turf but no one's stepping on this turf it's there's room for everyone yeah 100 Right. And the more options that are available, the better that is for literature, the better it is for. Right. Right. I almost feel it creates more of a demand. I think it does. Yeah. 100 percent. Yeah. And and I think, um, you know, uh, one can argue that there's like, I think, I don't know who said this, but there's like 20 different stories. Like, you know, there's the quest story. There's whatever. Right. So there's no one that's going to reinvent a new story in that sense. But what people do reinvent is how you tell it. Oh, for sure. It's the telling of it and how they tell it. So every writer has a unique voice. It's true to them. And and that's one thing that's the journey on as you are a writer starting out or your movie is you start, the more you write, you, 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 when you find what your voice is, right? And there's an expression sometimes used about sticking to your lane, right? So when you find mm-hmm. out what's your lane, where, where do you fit? And there are some writers that are, you know, can they can write every genre and they do and they dance all over, right? And then there are other writers that they find what their genre is, and that's what they stay in their lane with, right? Mm-hmm. Which one would you say you are? At present, mm-hmm. uh, I write uh, literary humor satire. Love it. Now, no. why, why? Why? Well, yeah. why very, for well, yeah. First off, for, I, scope. Uh, on, on you know, with a, on a bigger picture, mm-hmm. um, I think humor is a coping mechanism that we use to get by each day it's the kind of exchange we all have if we didn't use humor we'd all be jumping off bridges right yeah it's a way to make life more bearable yeah um i know that most things that happen to me uh i process through this comic filter i have right interesting and it's a way of kind of dealing with pain on the short term it's Mm -hmm. a bit like like feeding my soul pop tarts but (laughs) It's not a way of avoiding pain. It's a way of dealing with pain, right? Right, in the present, yeah. Right, because comedy only is tragedy plus time, right? Tragedy with Uh, distance. So, you know, something happens to you, and it's like, oh, it's awful in the moment. Yeah, we can laugh about it later. Exactly. Five years when we're laughing all about, yeah. That's what what comedy is, right? Because you need that distance to make it happen. So, you know, and and I think so, and and then then also is, uh, especially with writing satire, it's a great way to poke the bear. It's because that's laughing at something or someone who deserves to be laughed at. All right. Mm-hmm. Like say Trump or something like that. They're oh, for sure. Great because, example. Because they deserve to be pulled down off their pedestals. Yeah. And as we as writers kind of have a responsibility to society to do that. hundred percent. So, And I think where that um, began in me it was very young because I was a quiet kid. And I, but I would be observed. I would watch a lot going around me and I would see what uh, I perceived. I would perceive what I would see as injustices. And yeah. I, and I experienced some bullying too as a kid. So that was always there in me. So my, my, uh, way to kind of fight back was with humor. Just and, wit, eh? And right. And wit. And right. Ah, amazing. Right, right? And that, and that developed, right. That evolved. Yeah. Oh, for sure. Uh, but that was, and I recognize more and more, you know, as I get older, I go back, yeah, that, that's how that was there. The seeds were there for that, for me. Mm-hmm. And then when I read other writers that I think, you know, um, Mordecai Richter is another writer I read in high school, you know, and, and his great satire. And, and as I got exposed to more other authors whose work I really loved, I found that my voice, their, or rather their voices, uh, 
were an influence and complemented what I what I was trying to find my voice and what I thought my voice was. And then that and that and, that, and that's how, right? And I yeah. and I and I you know and I do write. I mean, I because when you write something that's humorous or or a funny narrative. Yeah. It's not all just jokes because the foundation is serious. Like my latest collection right. of stories is about grieving. So the foundation has to be real and it has to. And, and so, but, but it's just that the humor is there to help navigate serious situations. Right. Because uh, uh, I think sometimes okay. people think, oh, it's, oh, they're being funny. It's a funny book. They write humor that yeah. it's all nothing about jokes. It's not, it's serious storytelling, but the humor comes out of the situations and sometimes puns. Uh, it depends. It's a mission, yeah. but, but it's a way of working that. And and it's uh, so that's that, that that's where that comes from. Um, and I, you know, and so I mean, I have tried to write like a, a just a simply dead serious story, but there's a part of me that just no, I, I just can't do it. I don't want to do it. Well, I, I, it ends up it ends up turning to something funny or satirical. And oh, just amazing! That direction, right? So and maybe you know, maybe someday I will explore. Um, and see if I can go right up. But but right now, I also am always thinking of my readers. And yeah. for myself, two things. If I'm not enjoying it, the reader's not going to be enjoying it. Right? Yeah, probably not. Right? No. They're not. And and so if and if I want to um invest in sitting down and writing six hours a day, I want to invest in something that I really want to enjoy writing. Whether it's and I think any writer will say that whether it's oh, for sure. fantasy or or they write thrillers, they write romances, or they write serious serious um, contemplative novels, or they write humor like I do, you have to want to write it and enjoy what right. you're writing because it's going to be really hard days, right? I mean the the writing the the life of a writer is a roller coaster, right? You have days where it feels fantastic, mm-hmm. days where you hate yourself. Days where you think you're a rock star, days where you think I can't write, but write again. What am I? Who am I kidding? Right? You go through days where you feel validated, days where you feel you're an imposter. You know, mm-hmm. it's the whole, the whole, the, the whole, oh, yeah. the whole, the whole mess, right? It, and it, it is, and it is true. Um, how do you stay moat? Like, how do you take? In, what do you take inspiration from to get through those uh, those days? The down, up, sideways, yeah. arounds. You know. Ugh. Well, part of it is reminding myself that's another day, the next day. Uh, part yeah. of it is also reminding me of trying not to take myself too seriously, take the work seriously, but not myself. Oh, yeah. Uh, in the you work, said that on Saturday, and I was like, you know, because, yeah, you know, it's, it's about it's love about, it. Um, and I think I, I have a pretty good work ethic, and I've had that from working in the theater. Right. Uh, and I've always been a little bit driven. So, what helps is knowing that uh, creating anything is like 95% is the grind and it's the perspiration of it all. And 5% is inspiration. Right. So you need the inspiration, right? But so that when you sit down at your laptop every day to write, you know, you don't mm-hmm. sit that you don't sit, you don't sit, I, I, I don't anyhow, maybe some other writers do, but I, 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 the most I've talked to, this doesn't happen, but most of it, you sit down. And not every day are you sitting down going, I'm inspired. Wow. Most oh, days, never. you know, and, and when you get the inspiration, and you're in one of those moments that you just got to run with it when you get it right. But, yeah. but but it's the discipline of just stepping down, sitting down every day that your mind knows this is what you're doing. And it's the just the act of doing it every day mm-hmm. creates the work and the story comes and you keep at it. Right. It's chipping wow. away, chipping away. Right. But but it's a it's building an artist. It's a building a discipline about 
committing to it. I mean, I've met many, many people, whether it be an actor or a musician or a writer, so a, a visual artist, many, many artists that I just thought were brilliantly talented and so talented. But mm -hmm. what they lacked was a discipline and work ethic. So they they, yeah. they never they know they they never did record that album. They never did finish that book. They never did finish those paintings, right? They never did, you know, go out and really pursue their acting career. That's frustrating. They, you know, yeah. And, and, yeah. And so, so there's, so it, and what it does is it helps remind yourself to stay humble because there's right. so many talented individuals out there. Yeah. And, and there are many talented individuals that are, that, you know, that are out there and they're working professionally. Right. Mm -hmm. and they're fantastic. But there's just as many that are probably incredible, but they just haven't got the, the, the drive or they, they're not willing to do the work because if you're not willing yeah. to do the work, nothing will happen. Or, and the harder one is those that are, those people are so talented, but they just don't get the break. Uh, like no opportunity comes yeah, forward. Exactly, kind of, yeah, exactly. Because luck is only when opportunity meets preparation, right? They, right. They cross, right? Yeah. So anyone say, oh, they got a lucky break. Someone says, well, yeah, they, they did something happen, but yeah. they had to know their opportunity. They had to be, yeah. Yeah. Because they had to be prepared when that happened. So it's those people that, and there's some people that, you know, that they they never meet at that intersection. They just don't get that that, that break, right? Yeah. And even that little one. And it's, it's the little breaks all along the way that help, right? They, those little validations that keep. Yeah, they compound. Yes. And mm -hmm. they keep you doing it. But but as a writer, for um, you really just have to love writing. Mm -hmm. if, if, if long as you're, if you're, long as your number one goal, it's I just want to write and I want to write and tell stories. Right. And it doesn't matter if I'm published or not. If you were honest, you honestly say that about yourself, then you'll keep on enjoying doing it. Mm -hmm. But if everything is what I need to get, I need to get, I get this book and I have to win that award and do that and do that. Then eventually you're not You're not writing for the craft of the love of writing, right? Writing for some other thing that it's always should. Those are great perks to have. Of course you want to sure. get published, but yeah, the core is you just have to want to write. And I think with that, um, it goes back to I have a handful of friends who try like they've went to accomplish certain things or they want to and they we all have different ways of looking at goals because yeah. essentially it's what yeah. they are right but yep. I think what you're talking to about more is enjoying the process of it and actually love showing up every day love yeah. like putting my imagination down on paper love creating and then everything else will come but every that other stuff that's going to come isn't something I can necessarily control directly, but I can control getting my ass up, hitting start on my six hour timer yeah. and just nose to the grindstone. Right. So I think that's interesting that that's how you said it. I'm like, Oh you, you, yeah. You, you nailed it. Glenn. that's the one thing we can't control. It's just sitting down doing the writing or mm -hmm. practicing your instrument or whatever it is. That's the one thing we can't control. And so that's, oh. that's what amazing. That's, yeah. It's um, why do you think, comedy so what i've done lately is i've gone through and i've seen everything comedy is coming up a lot more whether it be more types of humor and everything is coming more to the forefront and i think what you said earlier too you mentioned humor as a coping mechanism right and i think yep. we all do that yep. um whether it's different it takes shape or form different ways for different people but i think we all cope the similar ways but i think when it comes to humor now we see a lot more comedy or comedic writing or more jokes everything's coming more humor is getting pushed and pushed and pushed i've never seen as much comedy or as much like comedy or humor any form of writing that's come out 
like in the last five years versus before that in the last decade like well, it's way at the forefront comedy's right up there and everybody's like chomping at the bit to get it why do you think that is like why do you think the importance of it now is so in your face well the 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 the, the worse things get the yeah. more we need an escape right mm-hmm. the more we right the more we need to laugh and things are pretty grim right now on a lot yeah. of levels, right? In the world, you know, it's the, you know, uh, uh, they've been bad for a long time, but especially since 2019 and the 20 when COVID hit, right? <laughs> so if you think of us human beings, we've all, we lived through two years of COVID in a bit on this heightened adrenaline vibration, you know, dealing with being isolated and can't do this and people we're working from home and, oh my gosh. And, and just, as, I, we had to, we had to go back to, I think, and live with some of the adrenaline that probably lived back centuries ago right as a as a survival tool mm-hmm. so now as we're coming out of it but now we got it we have you know another variant coming so be, but we're dealing with other things in the world right with yeah. the rise of uh, the rise of fascism uh right-wing conservatism out of control right so now divided divided right what's just happening yeah. education wise healthcare is falling apart we already were all as, as a society exhausted from getting through covid so our resilience no. is even lower now dealing with what are normal life stressors so Mm -hmm. i think i think you're seeing the rise of of humor and the need for it because it's a tonic that we need and and people need the escape of it or they need the familiarity of oh my gosh watching stephen colbert or trevor noah or or uh john oliver that you you oh yeah someone that there's someone that they they can take the world and they can put it through that filter you can have a laugh it normalizes a bit and it makes it just a little bit easier to deal with things. Right. Right. Cause we, yeah. cause we laugh in the end because there's just nothing else we can do. Yeah. Right. Yeah, and, I guess and, so. Best right? coping mechanism. Right. And like, like humor, yeah. like humor, flip coin, there's sorrow on one side, laughter's on the other sorrow, laughter, right. You flip it. Mm-hmm. Ooh. Okay. Now kind of, switching gears a bit i'm curious your answer when i say just people who don't maybe aren't authors or even consider themselves themselves avid readers or avid writers sure what is what are kind of the benefits that you've seen writing and reading provide for your life oh okay well right away reading I get to explore worlds I am not able to travel to in my normal life. So I can go yeah. back in time. I can go to different different centuries. I can go to the different into the. I get to go into the heads of different people mm-hmm. that I that I you know, and I get to see many many different ways of what it is to experience life as a human being on this planet, from all points of view, right and. What that does is it, I think it creates a broadening perspective of life. It also helps increase one's empathy for things around you, right? Yeah. And Ooh. right. And, and that's so important, right? Yeah. And, now and, more and, than ever. More than ever. So I think, and you, I, I get, and that's what I've gotten from reading. And um, I don't know if I mentioned this in the panel this week, but I, I, but I also, and it's important, I read a book, I identify with characters. Uh, I feel le- I feel less alone. 
Wow. I feel like a little safer in the world because I relate, right? Yeah. And you know, and sometimes you'll come like I know what Salinger that did for me with the Glass family when I was a teenager. I met this fictional family in his books. It's like, man, I want that to be my family. Like I I want to hang out with these characters, right? Yeah. And they 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 were more real to me than the flesh and blood people in my life, right? Wow. Like, you know, based on the relatability. Relatability and and, uh. and, the, and, the, and the writing really brought them to life, right? So there's that. So to me, it's all about expanding your mind about and about humanity, right? So and the reading, and then uh, what I get from writing. Writing forces me to realize what my point of view is on things. Oh, right. Because yeah. by, by writing writing humor, I write primarily in my humor uh, satire. It's observational, right? So. Mm -hmm. Uh, you know, you're critiquing the world around you, but you're also part of it, right? And sometimes right. it's, it's self-critiquing too. Mm -hmm. So writing, uh, writing is is a wonderful way to get inside what how you look at the world and how you look at yourself, Whoa. right? And and and, yeah. and, and funny, what what do you think about these things? Because because anything you're writing, there's a there's a point of view there somewhere, right? And right. And, and if there isn't, an editor will tell you. So why are you writing this? What's the real reason? Why should a reader want to pick up your book and read it? Right? Oh, yeah. No kidding. What I've found interesting when it comes to what I think to kind of add on or piggyback off what you said a bit, when it comes to writing as a skill, I think it helps define people's authenticity or it makes it more clear of where how they're unique in what yeah. ways. And yeah. yes. I found... I write a lot in a sense of like journaling, not so much daily, but whenever I have like big things that I'm going through or medium things um, in the grand scheme of things, they're yeah, all pretty yeah. neutral, right? But in the grand scheme of things, looking at them, looking back and kind of, it gives me a chance to control my thoughts, reflect on why these things actually trigger me, why I'm thinking the way I am now, why I even felt like this was an issue worth spending time to write down. Yeah. And then stepping back and like, uh, a couple months ago, I went through like this journal I had from like two years ago. I'm like, All wow, right. interesting. Okay, that's why I think this now, or that might be, and just kind of opened my mind to understand more. Like you said, the uniqueness, or like you empathize with, even in my case, with that, I empathize with past me. And I was like, huh, interesting. So I really like that. I really like that. It, allows you to see that authenticity and like in yourself yes yes right because if you're not and again it all depends what your medium is right right matter. but if you're not honest with your voice and i guess i come from the school of write what you know right so mm -hmm. i draw it right but if you're if your voice isn't honest and it isn't real mm -hmm. it's not going to land on the page no and and no reader will read it so that you are exposing yourself it's vulnerable right? yeah it is but it, it's that my book this truth still is holds that in our vulnerability is our greatest strength right and i think what you're saying a few seconds ago with the how to be more empathetic and that like yes, coming yeah. from reading and writing especially as a skill set allows us to connect with people because we can't empathize with somebody that's not like so much made up. That's right. In a sense of like, oh, this person's not real. So it's hard, but the character traits 
from yeah. are brought to life but those character traits are based off of like you're saying you're like sometimes based off of me and that's why people are drawn to the characters because we can see ourselves in them and i'm like yes oh. and, so, and 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 and, and cool also me. yeah another thing and just reading um as well mm-hmm. it it expands expands our vocabulary <clears throat> yeah it expands our and i think it improves our ability to communicate Oh, absolutely. Wait, we, you, you, yeah. have, you have a greater use of language to try because we all want to try to be clear and be, 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 be understood. And so the more that we have at our disposal to be able to do that, um, the better. I think to your point, personally, I've found I'm able to think not so much slow down what other people are saying, but speed up how my brain processes what other people are saying. Like it allows me to listen at a higher octane. Whereas in the past, if I'm not reading or I'm not writing or in any shape or form, right. And I just kind of sit back and I'm like, I don't, I'm like, oh, I keep missing or I forget. And I find I retain a lot better of what people are saying as well. It's weird, but that's just kind of my experience with that. I'm right. like, oh, it allows it. My brain kind of feels more relaxed when listening almost, if okay. that makes I'm with you. sense. I'm with you there. Yeah. 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 It's a weird thing I've noticed, but I'm not sure why, to be honest, Rod, but. I mean, it's kind of cool when it works out. So, but yeah. So with all the people you've met in your career so far, can you think back of anybody or any group of people and scenario that has had like an impact on you? It doesn't necessarily have to be the greatest impact on you, but no, there's, well, there's been a lot of, a lot of, a lot of people. Um, I mentioned uh, Neil Freeman, who was my mentor at university mm-hmm. for Shakespeare, right? Uh, he was huge. And 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 uh, not just his incredible intelligence, but his passion for the material, but it's also his, humani- his humanitarianism and his, his sense of humor. So he really influenced me in a major way. Um, one of the greatest actors in this country, David Fox, he, he passed away almost a year ago now and he was one of my best friends and I worked together with him on many projects but we also were really really good friends and 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 in terms of what he did everything that every he taught me about what it is to be real in the work and and playing the truth and going for the truth and that's all that matters and 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 all that and 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 going for it right and Mm -hmm. and and then also along with that how you treat others around you, right? That it's about the work and there's no room for ego and all of that, right? It's just, so he, uh, he was a great mentor for me in terms of my work in that aspect. Um, In terms of writing, there's been, there's been those writers like say David Sedaris in America and some of the other authors I mentioned, the Salinger, who I, of course, Mm -hmm. I didn't know personally and, but the writing influenced me so I, I think of them as being huge mentors, even though I never actually met them. Wow, cool. Right? You know, so I think yeah. that's important for people to know that you, you there's a, and there's a lot of dead people out there too who can still be your mentor. Yeah. Right? I mean, <clears throat> going back and finding that out, right? Uh, or, or your muse, who knows how it, may, how it might transpire for you. Um, there are authors I've met in the re, and, and just recently uh, who um, I admire for a variety of reasons, not just from their skill as a writer and, and, and their scope, but yeah. just all around like the, their discipline or, or, or how they approach the work and, and their, their mindset 
So I've, I've been recently getting my cylinders, all six cylinders firing in a different way from being exposed to a lot of really, really interesting other writers. And, and that's been happening in the past few years. And that's been great because there's a lot of new energies coming that way uh, mm -hmm. into my life. Um, also, I think um, at this age where I'm at, I, and I've also mentored a lot of students, right? So mm -hmm. I've met, but I'm also, now it's interesting, is where I've also got some young mentors, right? I've got, uh, you know, a few people, friends of mine that are now like in their early 30s. And, and their mentors for me, not just in terms of like technology and such, but their mentors for me in terms of how they see the world coming at their age. Oh. Which is really great. It's really important, right? Yeah, so that's I, cool. I, so I think there's something really uh, as we as we, oh. as we as we go through life is building those influences that are older and those that are younger, so that you can get all those perspectives, right? Because yeah. the last thing last thing you want to do is grow older and be completely out of touch. Right. Yeah. And, and that's not how I. That's not how, you know. I've never. I've, I. That's not how I want to be. I just. Uh, and so I, I try to stay in touch and, and with um, younger artists who I guess. Uh, yeah, keep keep a pulse on things. Interesting. Yeah, I like that. I like that. Oh, that's a good answer. Yes. Um, when you go to these festivals and you meet uh -huh. these people that you're either influenced by or you've read their stuff and you've connected with or related to. Yeah. When you meet them, what is one of the first questions you ask past the small talk? So, like after the "Hey, how are you?" Oh my God, whatever, but. What is one of the questions you ask? Like, how do you go about picking their brain? I think invariably, because this happened uh, at the panel this past weekend, we all went out for dinner together. And invariably, Ooh. a question that gets asked, I think, is eventually we, we all start talking about our own individual process. Oh, like different, right? Cool. Like, right? Like how early do some get an editor involved? And how, how does that happen? And oh. And how do you navigate through your work so what you find is all the common threads the commonalities that you go ah so it's almost you know you can share all those all this when this happens but then you also find out how everyone's different how they go about it right how oh, they get to that, that's that cool. so that's that's what i find really interesting yeah um then and so that's the that's the that's the main thing i think that i ask because i'm cu always curious about right because in the end mm -hmm. in the end it all comes down to the same thing, sitting at that laptop or, or longhand, how do you do it? And how do you, how do you do it? How, how, how do you work it? Right. right. So, right. So there are some authors I, I've talked to that I recognize, oh, our process is kind of similar. Then there are others that, you know, we don't, it's completely different, mm -hmm. but there's something I can learn from that. And yeah, um, yeah so that, that's a big one. And then um, sometimes we'll talk, I'll ask, we'll get talking about, you know, what were the, um, what are the hardest things you've had to go through? Like what were the greatest challenges you've had to go through? And in sharing that, you really realize that, you know, although it's a solo act, right? It's a very, mm. writing is very much a solo act. But by asking those questions like that, you forget in some ways we're all in it together. Mm -hmm. All had, and then, and that, that helps. Yeah. That relatability and it. Yeah. Ooh. It's all about that, yes, about that relatability. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm sure that all brings you guys together as well like a lot more as a group you know and what I, yeah. and and the writers that i you know I, i've got getting to know and, and the one thing that they we all have in common right 
None mm-hmm. of us. No one. I mean, no, no one is no one is that kind of arrogant, you know. I am the finest writer in this right. country. And uh, I don't have to talk to you. You know who I am. You yeah. know all that. I have no time for that, right? Hi, what's your name? You know my name. You know my I don't yeah. have I've sold a million books. I don't need to know your name, right? Yeah. That sort of thing. No, that, that's not, no. So that no, energy, no. I have no time for that. Uh, and I think most of the writers, that I, I, and I know they're not like that either, right? Amazing. That's yeah. kind of what you want, right? No, so. no, no, no well, well, yeah. Well, also, yeah. That other, that, those are the kinds of writers who don't want to talk to me anyhow. <laughs> Perfect. Like, save me the time. Let's go. <laughs> so, Rod, when you're asking people about their process, whether it be the writing process, sure. their creative process. Sure. Do you, what is the craziest thing somebody said that is a part of their process? That's, you've been like, huh, that works for you? Something like that. It doesn't have to be bad. doesn't have to be good. I'm just curious. What was something that stood out? Uh, oh, that's a good question. Let me think. Let me, let me think on that. Um. I've known a few actors that are very method. Very method. Yeah. You know, that go into that. Oh, yeah. Bit, right. Amazing. And so, yeah. So, I, I mean, and I know of a few actors that I've worked with that have really gone into that needing to live and breathe that character in their own life yeah. uh, to a degree that sometimes seemed a little extreme. Right. I mean, there's there's classic stories, you know, like the, the Shia LaBeouf and different things of film mm-hmm. actors. Right. That, you know. They just sort of go into it and they cross the line a bit. Yeah, and I've, I've and I uh, I've seen that, and uh, and I've worked with a few actors from a directing capacity, hmm. and and some of those actors that go so far in that zone, they can be difficult to work with because you don't know where they are. Yeah, and and, and it's like I need you to come up for air and be on the same planet as me for a moment here, so we can at least right. see, are we on the same roadmap. Yeah, and at that point, aren't you? You're not even really working with the actor. You're not working with the character. It's yeah, like, you know. Ah. So, so it's it's very important, I think, to and I'm talking theater more is yep. to um, it's important to work with people of different methodologies to challenge yourself. But it's but in the bigger picture, make sure you for me anyhow. I for me to make me to make it a good experience for me. I have hmm. to work with actors who I understand their methodology and they understand my approach. So that we're going to work harmoniously together on this project, right? Yeah. Uh, so if any time, any time, having working with a few actors that I couldn't figure what the heck they were doing, um, that was one. Um, in terms of writers thus far, there's no writer that I've met yet that has an approach that's so far out to lunch. You know, that's like, oh, I just throw random ideas at my wall, right? No, I haven't yeah. had, I haven't had that experience. I, I've had words on magnets and just yeah, throw it around and I'm gonna yeah. I'm gonna oh I'm gonna draw these from a hat and that'll be my whatever that's gonna happen. Um, no, I haven't I haven't encountered that. Um, I I haven't what I have discovered is that writers have really different relationships with their editors and when they share material with their editors, I was surprised to talk to a couple of writers who very early on mm-hmm. are sharing their stuff with their editor to get early, early feedback in the very, very early stages of it to see if they think yeah. they're on the right track or if it's workable. And uh, and I'm like, because with my writing, yeah. I, I all have two or three drafts done that I've done before I'm ready to send it to my editor to look at. Wow. So, yeah, so, that, so, that, so that, that one struck me as a little different. 
Um, yeah. But uh, yeah. Interesting. So you do those self drafts and then self reviews, and then you're just like, or do you just pass those out to friends? And then like, I got no, one person even, for the first draft. Not even that one. much. No, yeah. I no, I don't pass them out to a lot of friends. I uh, I don't actually. There's a few people I look look at it, but I I work away at it and work away at it and work away on it, and then when I get to a place where I I said I can't do anything more on this now, it mm. needs to go into the hands of an editor. So when they when they're getting it, there's always gonna be things to work on, and and that's a given. But what they're getting is a solid manuscript so that they can clearly then see, here's the notes uh, I need to give you, right? Like on this latest, right. manuscript, my latest novel I'm working on, and I got notes from my editor back in August on it, and I've been since working on my next draft. I, there was, you know, uh, observations about, you know, a con- and they're, they're more, they're considerations. Consider this, consider this about your ending right now. Um uh, there were questions about um, the narrative voice and where I, I could bring the narrative voice in a few places. And then there was just a simple question about, you know, length, saying, mm. you know, I think this book, uh, you can afford to cut a, a bit of it um, to really zing in the focus a bit more. And, oh, that's often, that's, and that's often the case, right? So, yeah. So I, that's what I've been doing. Uh, Save uh, paper. Safe paper, exactly. It's a safe paper. <laughs> what they've been saying, yeah. Make the publisher happy. It's gonna yeah. be cheaper, yeah, cheaper to publish. But uh, you know, uh, so so those are notes that I understand and I can work out on the big picture, right? Mm-hmm. But it's you're not setting uh, work in where the editor's going. You need to rethink your entire structure, or this is this is overwritten, or uh, there's so much filler in here. Where's the where's the book? Yeah. No, no, you're not doing that, right? So. Right, you're you, but uh, you. By the time you're setting it in, at least for me, I, I feel that it is. I can't do anything more on it till I get someone else's viewpoint on it. Makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. Fair enough. Um, <clears throat> so that's kind of one of my last things I'm curious about sure. in terms of how, like, my general question that I like to end, kind of end the show with. Okay. Do you do you have a piece of? wisdom or a piece of advice that you received it could be early on or later on that you would say has stood the test of time in your life okay wow feel free to take a second no i'm going to i'm going to think on that i guess Two things. One is simply believe. And what I what I mean by that is believe in yourself, believe in what you're doing, believe in what you're creating. Even on those days where it's it, you don't see see like you're making progress, you're you're mired in self-doubt. Mm-hmm. That's all part of it, right? Right. right. Like 100 courage exists right it doesn't exist without fear you you courage fear is part of the equation despite mm-hmm. fear you're going forward right? right so believe so so that was something very early on and, and that core belief of, of self that and that key i think i would say that keeps me dry keeps me motivated and driving right because i do believe and i believe it i believe and the second thing is i learned no matter what you're doing, whether you're a musician, you're a visual artist, you're a writer, you're an actor, right? 
just know that no one's going to care about your work more than you. So there'll be people that will come along the ride for some of it, like, you know, whether working with a bunch of actors or a show, but know that no one, and that, and that doesn't mean that that's that. And so that's how it should be because it's your work and other people are going to be invested in it to the level they need to be invested, Mm -hmm. but it will always be yours. So with that, and this is something I've discovered the years, the more I put into my creative work, the more I always get back. And it's an equation that has never failed to disappoint me. Yeah. Right. You you know, if you look at, I mean, we, we, but I know I've been there a few times. Sometimes I might have had a relationship in my life that mm-hmm. didn't go the way I wanted it to, even oh, though sure. I even though I was working on it and giving it all. But th- there are controls whereby that's just the way it goes, and it and it yeah. took people that eventually weren't on the same wavelength. Yeah, it's life. It's life. But with your creative work, because it's what you're creating. If yeah. you if you're investing a hundred percent into your work you'll get 150% back. Wow. If you stay committed to it, right? And that's it, that's the big thing. I like that you added that. Amazing. Yeah, you got to stay committed to it. Mm-hmm. And and that ties in with belief. So, I guess on and then and that kind of that comes up with the other thing about just just show up. Just do it. Just show up and do it. Amazing. Amazing. I love that. I love that answer. Oof. Amazing. Um, all right, Rod. So I'll roll the red carpet for you. Let, uh, let people know where they can find you, where they can connect, where they can, uh, purchase, read your books, see more of you, hear more of you. Well, 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 thanks. Okay. So, um, the easiest way is uh, because I'm on all social media platforms. I'm on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. Um, but if, People want to go to my website. This is my author's website. It's simply rodcarley.ca. And if you go to the contact section on my website, it will take you to Instagram, Twitter, all my different um, um, media uh, where I have a presence. Uh, on Facebook, I have a, a writing show called Rod Reads that it's not every week, but it's done sporadically where I read from different Canadian authors' works. I showcase uh, Canadian independent booksellers. Love it. Um, I highlight what people are reading right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, I read from an adaptation of The Great Catsby. My cat Hilton's writing right now. So I read from <laughs> I read from that. And I just engage in some like, you know, bad book pun behavior. So Amazing. that's an ongoing thing. And it's my way of spreading the love about Canadian literature. Uh, so that's on a Facebook page just called <laughs> Rod Reads if people want to sign up for that. Easy. Uh, and I post there, uh, and that's where you'll find me. And then, amazing, yeah, yeah, amazing, man. This has been really fun. I really enjoyed great, it. Glenn. Yeah, I really Thank enjoyed you. this conversation. Thank and you. This, and this conversation's flown by. Yeah, no, it's awesome. It, I always find they take like a couple minutes, like about fifteen minutes, fifteen twenty, to get into the groove. But then we start building. It's like you start asking questions, I start asking yeah. questions, and go yeah. back and forth. I'm like. This is amazing. Yeah. And then, yeah. And then you're able to pull out and like, you feel connected, right? So you're yeah, like, oh, I feel so. more open to share and stuff. And I'm, yeah, I love it. So I'm really, I'm really grateful you were able to share your story. I had a blast. And Me too. I, and, and, yeah. you're, and you're right. You're a terrific interviewer. Thank you, man. Thank yeah. you so much, man. Yeah. Thank you you're so really much. good. I really no, it's, it's that. been really, really enjoyable. Yeah. No, it's been a really nice, easy, you know, easy conversation back and forth. 
man thank you so that means so much like it really well, does very much so, so. i really appreciate that yeah so, amazing how i uh 